0: Hey plant friends. I am so glad you are joining me again today. We are entering my personal favorite month. It's my birthday month. Also, school is just about done, so we'll be my kids will be out for the summer and Everything around me is just turning green, and plants are budding and blooming all over the place, and I'm just so, so excited about May. I don't even know where to start today. There are just so many garden things that I want to talk about, but I guess I will start with just a quick story about my Friday, this past Friday. Uh, But first I need to back up just a little bit. So back in late February, I had started several different types of tomatoes from seeds um, inside, inside the house. I had my trays all set up in the kitchen on the counter, right under the cabinet lights. And I always like to try different types of tomatoes, but... I also um, will always grow, try, you know, repeat some, a few favorites that have done well for me in the past. And this year I repeated Hungarian Heart and Yellow Brandywine Tomatoes because they were great last year. Um, This year I am trying Bumblebee, Silver Fir, and Black Seaman Tomatoes. And I gotta say, I got I I did a really good job starting, um, these tomato seedlings because I had a ton of them. I think that every single one of the seeds that I planted actually sprouted and I had so many tomato plants that I planted some, I was giving away, giving away left and right to people and by this past Friday, I still had a bunch of leftover and honestly, Um, it's getting a little late for planting tomatoes because it takes a little bit for them to get established. And once the daytime temperatures stay consistently above 90 degrees, tomato plants just aren't as productive. They start, um, slowing down, they stop blooming and then they won't set fruit. At least not until it cools down again, um, again. And right now, we will be having those 90-degree days really soon. So it's probably a little late, but I don't care. I did this anyway. Um, I had a few of these tomato seedlings left, and I just couldn't find anyone who wanted them, and I just did not want to throw them in the compost pile. I'm an optimistic person and a plant person, but I just don't have the space for more tomato plants here in my garden. So I decided to take them to work. (laughs) I brought my trowel and those last nine bumblebee cherry tomato plants and just took them to work on Friday. And I went out front and I planted them in the flower bed. So I have tried in the past to find out exactly what the plan was for those beds out front. When I first started working there, they were actually pretty nice. Um, you know, maybe a bit sparsely planted, um, but there were still lots of native drought tolerant plants. And just over the past couple of years, I don't know, they had switched landscape companies and then we had the big freeze last year and then we had a couple of freezes this year and then they had to tear up the sidewalk and redo the irrigation system so between all of these things that bed was looking really sad and there were just some big bald spots in the beds that were just begging to be planted so that's what I did I had those tomatoes and so I planted them just right out there between the lantana and the acave and while I was out there digging my little holes a co-worker had seen me and she came over and, and said hey what are you doing and I just kinda just kept doing, just digging my little holes. And I was like, oh, nothing, I'm just putting in some plants. And so she smiled and went back and in, uh, went inside. And then another person walked by, we smiled at each other. And so I just kept putting them in. Now this bed of course has irrigation, it has these sprinkle heads. So I went inside to find someone that might be able to help me turn them on. So I went back to the facilities office and I asked one of the facilities maintenance guys and he really wasn't all that forthcoming with the sprink- sprinkler information, but his boss was there and he's brand new. Um, he took an interest in wanting to find out more what I was talking about. I think he might've been a little suspicious. Um, so I was like, all right, now let's just go outside and I'll show you. And... I had said, you know, I have these these plants that I put in and I wanted to water them in and asked if he would turn, them off, turn on the sprinklers and he was like, well, I don't really know, I'm new. So um, we kind of looked around um, the beds and he looked down at my little plants and he said, oh, I see, you planted some maters. <laughs> he is a super nice guy, um, very polite. And in this kind of contrived roundabout way, he ended up asking if I had gotten permission to plant tomatoes out there. And I said, you know, we were talking about it the other day and it didn't seem like a big deal. I did talk about it with our boss and the new guy was like, Okay, but did he actually believe you? And I was like, um, I don't know. He didn't say no, so here we are. Turn on the sprinklers, please. (laughs) Well, with any luck, we will have little cherry tomatoes this summer at my job. I don't know they may be gone next week. I mean, corporate may have other ideas for landscaping plants, but I'm thinking that once I get some tomato cages around these little baby tomato plants, no one will even question why we have tomatoes out there because it's going to look real legit and completely intentional. And I know it's going to be fine. So I've got my little tomato plants at work and they're a little small but here at my house my tomato plants are growing and blooming and starting to set fruit some plants like squash have separate male and female flowers and the female flowers need pollen from male flowers in order to pollinate not tomatoes they are self-fertile and they don't need cross-pollination they don't need a buddy plant either to produce lots of fruits. Each tomato plant, each tomato flower, conveniently has male and female parts right there in the blossom, which sets up everything for easy pollination. Now, pollination isn't automatic. Um, The pollen still has to transfer between the flower's reproductive parts in order for fruit to set. It has to move from the male parts of the flower to the female parts. Pollination happens naturally through wind or by insects or even by humans. Pollen needs to be dry in order for fertilization to happen. If the humidity is too high and like for extended periods, the blossoms won't pollinate and then the flowers will drop. Tomatoes also don't like it when temperatures get over 90 degrees for, uh, you know, consistently, like during the middle of the summer. They will also drop their blossoms in. We are not at that point yet, but our hot summer will be here before we know it. And I really want my tomato and pepper plants to set fruit and flowers, flowers and fruit. So I know I can't control the weather I can't adjust the humidity or the temperature outside, but I can try to help pollinate my tomatoes and peppers and get some fruit action going. One tip that I found for helping get tomatoes to pollinate is to just go out and shake your tomato plant to encourage the pollen to fall on the reproductive parts. When insects come in contact with tomato blossoms, their wings create a sound called sonification, which shakes the pollen through vibration. So giving your plants a gentle shake can work. But I want to tell you about another really cool idea that more closely replicates the buzzing and the sonification created by Insects, and it's super easy and cheap and more fun than going out to your garden and shaking your plants like a weirdo. <laughs> All you have to do is use an old electric toothbrush to gently vibrate the blossoms. You just take an old battery operated toothbrush out to your plants, and with the flat side of the brush, hold it against the flower. And let the brush buzz on it just for a second or so. If the pollen is dry, you'll see a really good poof of pollen come out. And that's a great sign that you are have pollinated and you're going to be having fruit developing starting pretty soon. I love this toothbrush idea so much. And I I believe in it, I think it really works. And now I keep this old electric toothbrush that I totally fished out of my trash last year. And now I keep the toothbrush for my tomatoes and my other plants outside. Personally, I think it's really fun to watch the pollen puff out, you know, just touch that toothbrush to the base of the flower blossom, turn it on and let it buzz a little bit and then poof, This pollen just kind of puffs right out. My son enjoys helping with this chore and he's always like, whoa, that's really cool. And then he loses interest and goes back inside. But anyway, he's out there with me for a little bit. I am not sure who originally thought of using an electric toothbrush to pollinate blossoms, but I love it and I think it's total genius. So find yourself an old battery-operated toothbrush get out in your garden, and you too can be a tomato fertility treatment technician. I don't know. Is that such a thing? Anyway, you can help pollinate your tomatoes. It's such a great time of year. I love, love May in Central Texas. Just so many things going on out there, and it's so cool, and I'm always always amazed by nature. And I'm so fascinated about how things happen outside. I mean, yes, for sure, that's biology. But some things just seem, I don't know, much more magical um, to me, even though I know there's plenty of science to explain things. But There are some wonderful, surprising things that take place out in our gardens. Like when certain flowers appear, I love when flowers tell us when it's gonna rain. Or when we do get a good rain, I get excited because I know that we can expect certain special flowers to pop up and bloom. Rain sensitive flowers are definitely on my all time favorite things list. I love them. You know, maybe it's, maybe there's something synchronistic that happens Maybe it's science. I mean, yes, of course, it's science, but it feels mysterious and wonderful, and I just find it so delightful. You know, here in Taylor, we got some decent rain a week um, ago, I guess, and I've noticed around town that the rain lilies have started popping up here and there in people's yards this week. Now, I have lived in Taylor for 16 years now, And I have never, ever had these cool little flowers come up in my yard. So I was thrilled this week when I found two in my backyard. And it was amazing because it was so great and such a wonderful, unexpected surprise. And it actually was really perfect because I had something in mind um, that I needed white flower for so i picked one of them the rain lilies that we have here in central texas are called hill country rain lilies some people call them florida mayo lilies since they appear this time of year these rain lilies pop up for a few days after a good spring rain they are clear bright white and star shaped They look like they have six petals, but they actually only have three. It's kind of hard to describe. They're like double-sided petals. Um, Anyway, the petals are arranged in a way that they kind of nest and stack into each other in the center, and they form a six-pointed star. When the flowers open up all the way, they are about two inches across and only last a day or two. The blossoms sit on top of a naked stem that shoots straight out of the ground. They're not very tall, um, probably like six, seven or eight inches tall. Hill country rain lilies grow from bulbs and you can dig them up and separate them if you wanna move them. Um, You can separate the bulblets and you can get more rain lilies. Bulblets are just the little baby bulbs that form from the mother bulb. Almost all bulbs do this. They make a little side shoot. Um, They make a little bulb that sprout up next to the mother plant. And when you dig them up, you can kind of gently break them off and you have more bulbs. I think it's really incredible that rain lilies will wait until we get a good soaking rain and then somehow they know how to wait until we have some um, warmer, sunnier, drier days to bloom. And this is really ad- advantageous for them because pollinating insects are much more active when there is less humidity and flower pollen is dry. Hill Country rain lilies will also set seed if the flowers are pollinated. These rain lilies form clover-shaped um, seed pods and have shiny, shiny black seeds in them. If you wait to mow until the seed pods burst, then you're, you'll those little seeds will germinate and you'll have more rain lilies next spring they are really prolific seed producers too. And that's why you'll see lots and lots of rain lilies in people's yards. I had picked one of those lilies that I had found, but since then I discovered a few more in a different part of the yard, and I'm just so happy about having these special little flowers in my yard. After, Especially after years and years of not having any and wishing that I did. I would love to have one of those yards with tons and tons of rain lilies. I'm starting to get kind of determined to have more. And I'm thinking about getting my tomato toothbrush and going out there and trying to pollinate them. I don't know why not. I don't think it will hurt anything. So I think I'm going to try that just to ensure that I get some seeds, seed pods form on them. I think it would be really cool. You are listening to Plow and on KBSR Black Sparrow Radio. If you are enjoying my show, I hope you'll go over to www.blacksparrowmusicparlour.com And check out the station and learn all about the great shows and music coming out of our station broadcasting from Taylor, Texas. While you're out on the internet, be sure to stop by the Plown Host Facebook page or Instagram and like and share it with your gardening friends. Or head over to where you get your podcasts and subscribe to the Plown Host Podcast. If you like the flexibility of being able to play, pause, and rewind my show whenever you want, download some episodes and leave a review. It's super quick, just click on the stars, it's gonna help others find the show and it lets folks know that Plown Hose is a pretty good show. If you've already left a review, thank you so much. Another mysterious and magical rain sensitive flower is Texas sage. If you have lived in Texas long enough, I'm sure that you've heard someone say, oh, the sage is blooming, it's gonna rain. And lots of times the sage will bloom and then it will rain. Texas sage has quarter-sized orchid purple flowers which tend to just explode with flowers when the conditions are optimal for rain. When they start blooming, it doesn't necessarily mean that we will actually get rain Texas sage is very sensitive to changes in barometric pressure and humidity. So when conditions are just right for rain, the sage wants to bloom. And I think that is so neat. And I kind of get excited thinking, oh, it's gonna rain, you know, the sage is blooming, so it's probably gonna rain. Here in Central Texas, we almost always need the water. Plus, plants just love rainwater. If you're interested in adding some other interesting plants to your landscape, ones that are sensitive to the rain, check out Desert Willow and Palo Verde. Both are native shrubs that are drought tolerant and heat tolerant, but they also respond amazing with flowers after a really good rain. Desert willow is a pretty shrub. It's kind of delicate. It has delicate looking, it has thin, narrow leaves that are like drapey and they kind of ripple in the breeze. Um, Pretty similar to, you know, the classic weeping willow tree. But even though they share the same name, desert willows are not related to weeping willows, which is probably a good thing for us here in central Texas because desert willows are much better suited for our soil and climate. When they are happy, they can actually grow into small trees. These shrubs are really tough and exceptionally drought tolerant. Plus, they don't mind our clay soil either. When these shrubs get a nice summer soaking rain, desert willows reward us with just a spectacular bloom of really soft orchid-colored flowers these plants are you know they're not related to weeping willows but they are related to yellow bells and trumpet vine so it's not really a surprise that they have a similar shaped flower but desert willow flowers seem to be kind of more delicate and a bit frilly because they have ruffled um, edges around the petals. Palo verde is another light and airy-looking shrub, like the desert willow. Palo verdes um, can grow into small trees. They have similar drapey branches um, and leaves, but they're they're actually really quite different. Um, they have a totally different texture. The leaves are long and narrow, but they have like this sawtooth looking edge um, around them. They're really really skinny. Uh, those jagged edges give this tree a stiffer kind of look, but it's really interesting looking, um, especially you know in contrast to, regular large leafy deciduous trees palo verde trees have beautiful small one inch flowers and they are a gorgeous golden color like rich egg yolk yellow flowers and they just burst into bloom really soon after it rains Um, usually after kind of a prolonged drought period it's a really pretty tree but it's quite thorny, so if you don't like thorns, don't get this plant. Most trees and shrubs have brown, tan, or like gray bark, but not palaverde. Um As their name implies, they have green bark. This is really cool, I think, because the... Paloverdes will drop and shed its leaves if um, if there's not enough water. If we if it's an extended drought period, they'll just drop those those leaves. But you know it's okay because it's still able to photosynthesize some of its own food because those limbs and the trunk are green and they can contain plenty of chlorophyll. If you're interested in xeric landscaping, both desert willow and palo verde trees are excellent plants to include because they are so drought tolerant, but they're also beautiful. And being large shrubs that can become small trees, they fit well into smaller spaces where a larger tree um, would outgrow the space very soon. They're cool. Um, They're small and ornamental and drought tolerant. So they are pretty perfect for xeriscaping. In case you missed it, I did a pretty good show on xeriscaping about six weeks ago. It's episode 58 of the Plow and Hose podcast um, from March 20th. Okay. So these rain sensitive plants are just so interesting to me. It's not just the water that makes them bloom. If that was the case, then the flowers would appear anytime that we set up a sprinkler or you know gave them a good spray with a water hose. Like most plants, these rain-sensitive flowers tend to have a blooming season, but it, it really does take something more than just water. Some plants are triggered by extended periods of drought, while others are stimulated by the barometric pressure. It kind of seems weird that plants would respond this way, but oxblood lilies do this too. They are a fall-blooming bulb that, you know, they go all summer long. They just hang out, being dormant, under the soil. But right about the time when we get the first good rainfall in September the oxblood lilies will pop up straight out of the ground and bloom. They have these gorgeous red trumpety blossoms. They are beautiful. And if you are paying attention to the weather, the oxblood lilies usually don't bloom until after we get the first good rain after hurricane season starts, which is, you know, August For the Texas Gulf Coast somehow those oxblood lilies just know I don't know I guess maybe they feel the barometric pressure drop not sure I don't know how they would feel but it makes sense to me because I'm a bit rain sensitive myself um, when there is a change in the barometric pressure, I just get like a terrible headache. I get a bad headache. And then it's the, it's the kind of headache that I only get when it's going to rain. And I think that's so ridiculous. I mean, it makes me feel old because I catch myself saying, thinking things like, oh, I'm getting a headache. It must be going to rain. You know, that sounds like an old person grandparent or something i know i am kind of old i could be a grandparent but i'm not um it's just blows my mind sometimes because in my head i still think i'm like 23 as much as i loved finding those white hill country rain lilies in my yard this week I was equally excited to have five swallowtail butterflies emerge from their chrysalises. Um, I don't know, maybe like two or three weeks ago, I found a whole bunch of these big, fat, green, black, and white stripy caterpillars just totally destroying my dill plants. And I think there were like eight of them out there on my two plants. And they were quickly devouring them. I mean, pretty much down to nubs. And I knew exactly what kind of caterpillars they were because I had them in my garden last year. Um, last year, they were eating up my parsley. These stripy guys were black swallowtail caterpillars. And they turn into the most beautiful black butterflies that have yellow markings along the edges, and they have like a bit of orange and splashes of sapphire blue. They are beautiful. They're very pretty and elegant, and I just wanted to keep them safe from the birds or other creatures that might want to eat them. Swallowtails lay their eggs on plants in the parsley family including garden and wild carrots dill fennel and of course all types of parsley these are host plants for swallowtail eggs and larvae and eventually butterflies they're called host plants because they are vital food sources for caterpillars to live on adult butterflies lay their eggs on these plants because They know caterpillars can't exactly travel very far to look for food. The little eggs will hatch and develop into caterpillars and then eat the plant where they were born. So basically they're eating their habitat, their home. When swallowtails are small caterpillars, they actually look like bird droppings and that is a protective camouflage that keeps them safe when they are little guys predators don't notice them because they look like bird poop and leave them alone. Maybe I should try that. Maybe I should look like bird poop and nobody will talk to me. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) when the caterpillars get uh, big enough, they will crawl away from the host plant and then find a knife safe plant to form a chrysalis. So Instead of letting them find, crawl off, and find their own place to build a chrysalis, I decided that I wanted to relocate them to a safe space inside this small mesh zip-up tent that we have. Um, It was one of the kids. The kids had gotten a butterfly habitat as a birthday gift one year, and I was lucky enough to find it and pull it out, take it outside, and set it up as a butterfly uh hatching i don't know a chrysalis tent i don't know um i ran down to the nursery during my lunch break and i picked up some fennel plants and i put those three plants inside the butterfly tent and then went over to the dill out in my garden and even though there were eight i was able to find um five of them so i took those and i put them on the fennel plants inside the tent and then i zipped them all up all nice and those caterpillars just went to town eating up all the fennel a few days later i noticed that they had built their cozy chrysalises and then just a few more days after that um, I saw that the chrysalises were turning black and it kind of freaked me out a little bit. And I thought maybe, oh, uh, you know, they rotted or they died or something. And duh. Then I remembered that they're black swallowtails and the black that I was noticing, it, it was just their wings developing. Then about, oh, I don't know, Wednesday or so, um, this past week, they started emerging from their chrysalis. I was going to say that they hatch, but they don't really hatch. They emerge, I guess. Anyway, one day, um, we released four of them. And then the next day, the fifth one was ready to be let go. My kids thought it was really cool. One of them, she didn't like anything with wings. She didn't like birds. She didn't like butterflies, bugs, nothing with wings. But anyway, the other two kids that um, are here, they thought it was uh, pretty cool. And I did too. I don't know. There's just something about that whole butterfly transformation process that is just so great and made me feel excited like a kid. And I love that feeling. I love feeling young. Um, so. I really hope that the kids and I, we made some special memories from doing that. All right, it's about time to wrap up, but I wanted to quickly just touch on all the great vegetables that we can plant now. For our veggie beds, we can still transplant peppers and eggplants, and we can plant one last round of beans. All of these heat-loving vegetables can also be planted from seed right now. They will grow great through the summer. Cantaloupe, warm season greens, okra, my favorite, southern peas like black-eyed peas, cow peas, sweet potato slips, pumpkin, winter squash, and watermelon. They all can be planted now. Okay. Well, friends, I am done for today. I hope you have a wonderful first week of May. I know I will. Um, And just a quick reminder for those of you who subscribe to the Taylor Press or the Elgin Courier, be sure to look for my new column. My column appears in the Taylor Press every other Saturday and in the Elgin Courier every other Wednesday. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> yeah,